The following audio was recorded at Stone Oak Bible Church. For more information about our church or for more resources, visit us at stoneoakbible.com. Listen, as we get to Romans 15, uh, fair warning, this is a large section of text, far larger than I normally cover in one, one weekend, um, especially coming off the last message I preached here was a verse with three words. This is significantly larger than three words, um, but what we're going to do is we're going to look at this section by section, kind of chunk by by. Uh, by chunk. And this morning, just a heads up, we are going to be talking about missions. And I know hearing that, uh, they tell you in, in uh, seminary that the three things that people really don't want you to talk about is uh, money, prayer, and missions. I'm going to break that on Mother's Day, all right? Um, we're going to talk about missions this morning. Uh, and, and in this text, we're going to look at what Paul is saying about missions, his mission, and the role of the church in missions. And um, important note here, this is by no means going to be a definitive message on missions. There's just not enough time uh, here for us to do that. There's a lot here to say. But what I love about this text is I believe that there are some really powerful things here in this text for us to see as a church. And And I believe this is going to shape our understanding of missions, and my prayer is that it shapes your understanding of your role in that. This is a a formative text. This text helps shape us here at Stone Oak Bible. Again, it's a bigger chunk. We're going to break it off into sections. Before we do that, I want to give just a little bit of definition I want to define our terms a little bit, and there's a few words that I want to just define. These may be new to you. They may not be. Regardless, they set a foundation for where we are going in our talk this morning. I'm going to give three terms, each of them relating to missions, each of them important, and each of them distinct. Okay? The first, um, the first term is a term called Missio Dei. Missio Dei. Missio Dei is a Latin term that just means simply the mission of God. So when you see this term, Missio Dei, it is talking about the truth that the fact that God has a mission, a redemptive mission, a plan that started at creation and has been working out um, Missio Dei is this underlying meta-narrative that goes through the whole pages of Scripture of God's plan to redeem fallen creation from the curse and consequence of sin. If not for the Missio Dei, the fact that our God has a mission, if our God did not have a mission, we would have no hope. But the fact that he does have a mission gives us Hope, um, it gives us everything. Again, this has been at play since the beginning of time. And um, in other words, everything hinges on the fact that our God has a mission on the Missio Dei. 
our justification, sanctification, glorification, redemption, forgiveness, all possible because our God has a mission. We're going to talk about missions and our mission. We would not have missions. We would not have mission apart from the mission of God. We have mission because God has a mission. And that leads to the second term, mission. Mission. Um, Because God has a mission, we have been given a mission. This is, you see this in, go therefore and make disciples. That church is a mission. It's a mission statement. Um, Go teach them, baptize them, make disciples. So in other words, you're not only called to know God and love God, be known by God and to be loved by God. You are called to share that with your community, your world. That's mission. That is is mission. So, and, and, And one more thing here. I don't know one more thing. I might say a couple more things. Um, This is not a call for just the specialized, like, elite force, Christians. Like, this is the call of being a Christ follower. We have been called in by the mission of God, and because we are a child of God, we are now on mission for him. We're on mission with him. Because of the Missio Dei, we have a mission. And I've heard it said, well, well, I'm not really an evangelist, though. And um, to that, I want to encourage you and then also take away all excuses. Um, according to the Bible, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are an evangelist. I didn't say you have like this gift of evangelism where you sneeze and people come to Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, as a child of God, you are an evangelist because that is the mission that your Savior gave to you. Mission. Um, Because Jesus has a mission as a follower of Jesus, we have a a mission. It's why it's the great commission and not the suggestion. We're commissioned out on on mission. So God has a mission. By his grace, we're we're given a part to play in that mission. So the Missio Dei, because of that, we have mission. Last term here. Missions. Adonis. Missions. In the evangelical church, missions is historically thought of as all of that work that takes place overseas. And there's a good reason for that. Where we go somewhere to another culture, another people, another language. Um, You see this in and throughout all of uh, the New Testament. Um, You see this in, I, I brought up the great... Commission, go therefore and make disciples. Where? Of whom? Of all nations. Going out. We see this again in Jesus' words in Acts 1.8. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. There is a missions aspect of this. So the missio Dei, the mission of God, is that God is redeeming fallen world by his grace. He now gives you a mission to be on in that. And now because of that, we together have missions. This might be confusing you. I hope it gets clear as we work, as we work through this. Um, because of the missio Dei and our mission, we as the church come together with our desire to reach the nations with the gospel 
And so we have missions. Um, think about it like this. Missions, with an S, is, is our attempts to take the gospel outside of our own tribe. Okay? Outside of our own tribe, to another people as a part of the Missio Dei. And missions is the mission of the church together. So God's mission for the nations, that all would know him. Um, our mission as a church is to bring that to the nations as a part of his great mission. Now, um, I want to be also clear on, on, on this, that all of these build on each other, okay? This is just laying the foundation for where we are going. The Missio Dei leads his children to mission, and the Missio Dei and our mission leads the church to missions as we seek to reach the nations with the gospel. Hear me. We get in trouble when we miss any of those three things. We get in trouble when we miss any of those three things. For example, let's just say we don't understand the Missio Dei, that God has a mission. What happens when we miss the Missio Dei? Well, our mission and our missions have no root we, they have no roots, no deeper purpose. They, our missions and our mission become self-serving and self-empowered when we don't understand that God has a mission that he's invited us into. We must see this. We can do a lot of good things for a lot of people, but as followers of Christ, because of the gospel, we know that all of that must flow out of the gospel, the Missio Dei. Without Missio Dei, God's mission for us, we have no mission for them because we are anchored in the gospel, powered by the gospel, and our aim is the gospel. We're going to get to that here more in a bit. At the same time, just for thought, what if we miss the middle one, mission? What happens when we miss the mission? When we get that God has a mission, he wants everyone to know, he wants to call nations to himself. We get that. And we get that we need to go to the outermost parts of the earth. What happens when we miss the mission in front of us? Well, we've, we've missed it because we have forgotten that God has placed us here for a reason, to be a gospel light for a reason. Um, and and it's, it's one of the, the, the reasons that the first question that we ask missionaries, when they say, hey, I think God's calling me to Venezuela, the first question we ask is, what does mission look like where you live now? If you're not on mission here in San Antonio, a plane ride is not going to change your obedience level. A change of scenery and culture is not going to go, now I get it. Now I can be obedient. No, if we miss it, we miss that. If you, if you think about it, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. That's our Jerusalem. Our own community um, I'll, I'll come back. I'll come back. Lastly, if we miss missions, what if we miss that third one? What happens there? Well, that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We have a part to play in missions, and all of us have a part to play. And Paul is going to open this up for us, and by way of one more definition, this morning we are focusing on that third one, that missions with an S, and I want to give just a definition of what I mean when I say missions. Missions is defined as the work of the church in reaching across cultural, religious, ethnic, geographic, I'll even add economic 
barriers to advance the work of making disciples of all nations. I love this definition. It's not mine. I stole it, but I gave credit, so it doesn't count. The work of the church in reaching across all these barriers from cultural, religious, ethnic, geographic barriers to advance the work of making disciples of all nations. In light of that, that lengthy introduction, hopefully it set us up well to turn to our text. Would you turn with me to verse 14? Verse 14 of, of, of chapter 15 says this, um, I myself am satisfied about you. Paul's talking about the church here in Rome. I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. Just pause real quick. I love this pastorally, this verse right here, because Paul looks at this church with all of its diversity and all of its messiness. We've seen some of the issues this church has. He looks at this church and he has so much confidence. Why? Because there is this confidence in the gospel to do its work. He looks at them and he has all this confidence in the power of the gospel in this church. Uh, Church, I'm grateful for this verse because I'm, in very similar ways, grateful for you. Grateful for you. I feel this way as I read this verse. I couldn't help but feel this way about what God is doing in Stone Oak Bible. I know this is a weird, you know, takeaway, but I'm hitting the pause button real quick. I'm grateful for this because for anyone visiting us, I really believe God is at work here. We are not perfect at all. But what I love is as I read this verse, to see the goodness of Christ in us, the love and knowledge of Christ in us, to see us instructing each other in the gospel, as Paul says here. I see our church in this verse. I love that, and I'm grateful for that. Paul says, I am satisfied about you, my brothers, that I see these things. And I want you to hear me. For Paul, this isn't some empty compliment. He's on chapter 15 of a letter. If you're going to compliment, throw it at the beginning. Not just draw. He, this, he, these aren't empty words. Like he, he is expressing his confidence in the work of God in the Missio Dei. He's expressing his confidence in the gospel. And then in verse 15, he says, But on some points I have written to you very boldly <laughs> by way of reminder. Because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable and sanctified by the Holy Spirit. We'll pause. We'll stop here. So Paul expresses here his confidence in the gospel in this church. And then he says he's writing by way of reminder And from here, Paul's going to bring out the first point that I want us to see in this text, and that is the calling of missions. Paul identifies himself as as what? A minister to the Gentiles. Paul himself was Jewish. And he wasn't just Jewish. He was like the Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was like the pinnacle of what it meant to be Jewish in the first century. That was Paul. And Paul says... I am called to the Gentiles. That is a call to missions. Remember our definition here, the work of the church in what? Reaching across cultural, religious, ethnic, geographic barriers to 
advance the work of making disciples in all the nations. That church was Paul's calling. He was clear on that, and he knew that. It's this call of missions to go, to go to them, to go to the other. And he calls it, if we look at our, uh, at our text here, the priestly service, which is a crazy verbiage here, of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable and sanctified by the Holy Spirit. This is beautiful language, and it's worship language. He, it's his act of worship. It's like he, the, the image that I get is him presenting his work before Jesus in hopes that Jesus will be honored by it. Presenting his work. Again, worship languages language here. This is this acknowledgement here uh, that Paul gives us is his call to missions, to those to leave those who are like you to go to those who are unlike you. This is the calling of missions. And he moves from that in verse 17. He says, "In Christ Jesus then, I love this text. I have reason to be proud of my work for God." For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to, this is a tough word, I'm just going to go for it, okay, come. how to do you guys don't know any. All right, that's good. Um, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. So in this, we get to see the second point, which is the power of missions. What is, church, the power of missions? What is the power in missions? Paul is very clear. It is what Christ accomplishes, what Christ does. What he does in our midst. Paul says, I have reason to be proud. I love that. I have reason to be proud. I have reason to boast. And that boast is in the way Christ has accomplished the work in bringing Gentiles to faith and obedience. I will boast in that, Paul says, by work, by deed. I will boast in the power of Christ, the signs, the wonders, the power of the Spirit of God working. It is by the power of God, Paul says, that, that I have fulfilled gospel ministry in Christ. This church is the power of missions. And I want to say the most obvious statement of the morning, this is still true. Christ is still the power of missions. And I want to break this down. It's not our skills it's, it's not our wealth, it's not our means, it's not our programs, our strategies, our methods, our movements, any of that. The only power of missions is the power of Christ. The only power of gospel ministry is the gospel, period. Paul is not only confident in this, he is boasting in this. He credits his success only to this, and this needs to be our boast and our confidence today. I'll give you an example here at Stone Oak. Um, we love planting churches. I love it. Love planting churches. But as we plant churches, when we plant churches, 
Our confidence cannot be in our confidence, in our own wisdom, our skills, our finances, our methods. The only true success that we will have in gospel ministry is the power of Christ through the gospel being proclaimed. Period. Our church planter is clapping. That's a good sign. (laughs) Through the power of Christ, the gospel spread through the known world through Paul. And just like that, through the power of Christ, the gospel spreads today through us. That is the power of missions. Verse 20. And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel such a simple statement. And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation, but as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. We've seen the calling of missions. We've seen the power of missions. Here I'm going to call this the aim of missions. The aim of missions. Listen to what Paul says. He says it's his ambition to preach the gospel. That's awesome, but he doesn't stop there. His ambition is to preach the gospel to who? Not where the gospel's already been named, not where there's already been a ton of churches planted, not where the gospel's already being proclaimed. For Paul, it was to those who do not have access to the gospel. This was his call. This was his aim, was to bring the gospel to those who were unreached. And I want to dig into this language here. He says, he wants to go to the unreached, and what does he say? Lest I build on someone else's foundation. I got to say, that's weird. Like, I look at this, I want us to dig into this, because is it wrong to build on someone else's foundation? Is this wrong? Absolutely not. That is not what Paul is saying. Paul is just very clear on his specific role and calling in the Missio Dei. In fact, you don't have to turn with me here. But in 1 Corinthians, Paul, same Paul, writing to a different church in Corinth who are dealing with all kinds of messiness and divisions, he writes to them in verse 3, and he, he says... They're having these divisions, and he says, who then is Apollos, and what is Paul? They're just servants of of whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each, Paul says. He then says, I planted, he says, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. The power of missions is the power of the gospel. God gave the growth. So neither the one who plants or the one who waters, nothing, they're nothing. But only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one. Each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. And then listen to this. According to the grace of God given to me like a skilled master, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one takes care how he builds upon it. I read this because it's the same language here. When we think of missions and we think of the aim of missions, I think Paul's imagery here is really important. The aim of missions is to lay new foundation. 
The aim of missions, what missions is, is laying new foundation. At the heart of missions, I'm not just saying this because I love church planting, but at the heart of missions is church planting. Laying new foundations. This is why Paul was a church planter. Because what is church planting? It is laying new foundations. A foundation that by the grace of God, others are going to build on. But the aim of missions is laying new foundations, laying new gospel foundations among nations and among peoples. It's the aim of missions. And I want to pause a minute and bring this to here to us today. I told you I love church planting. I really do. Um, we are a desire. We, we are a church that desires to see more churches planted. More churches started. To, to go to Paul's imagery here, we want to keep building on this foundation at Stone Oak. Keep building on this as we continue to do the work of laying new foundations in other communities to reach people with the gospel that we are unable to reach. This is why, um, this is why we plant churches. So we planted Mission Community Church in 2017. That was a new foundation. It was a new foundation. Disciple Community Church, by the grace of God one day, it's going to be a new foundation. And I want you to think about one thing as well. Two weeks ago, we had Luis up here. And Luis shared, is our pastor of ministry in Espanol, and he came up here and he shared our vision for our church to reach people who were unable to reach because of a language and a cultural barrier. And if you remember, he shared his heart to see a new gospel foundation laid that would reach roughly one-third of our community. One-third in the language of Spanish. In fact, I want to push this, we used to think that missions was always getting on a plane and flying to Venezuela. I don't know why I'm picking on Venezuela today. Um, Cuba, Puerto Rico, Mexico, um, Argentina, Chile, you name it. We used to think about missions as getting on a plane and going to them. Church, we have to understand that they have come to us. They have come to us. Our call is to go to the nations. We need to understand that in our time, because of airplanes, in a very real way, the nations have arrived. In our community, Stone Oak, we're a hot spot. We need to understand that. Um, to support to partner with us, with Luis, is laying new foundation, a gospel foundation. I was told that 15 nations are represented in the Spanish language in north-central San Antonio. That's crazy. Like, that's incredible. That is incredible. That is the aim of missions, to lay new foundations so that more people would hear the gospel, that more people would hear the gospel and and. and we were able to see that in some real tangible ways here at Stone Oak. You're able to be a part of that work. This is not just theoretical. This is happening right now, and we need to all be a part of this missions work.
That is the aim of missions. We've seen the calling, we've seen the power, we've seen the aim. Now let's get to a hard part, the honest truth, the disruption. How many of you love it when your plans get blown up? (laughs) I saw one hand go up, and I honestly think that's true for this person. But outside of him, it's probably not your favorite thing. When all of your plans and your future get shaken to the core, get thrown out. I got to tell you, often the call for us to go or to send is absolutely disruptive to our plans. It is inconvenient. It was for Paul. Paul says in verse 22, this is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room to work in these areas that I'm working in, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a while. Paul says, I have been hindered from coming to you. I've wanted to come to you for years, and now I hope that I'm going to be able to see you as I kind of pass on by, just see you for a little bit. If you see here, missions is disruptive to our plans. It is a call to take up our cross and follow him. To follow him, to give ourselves because God has given himself for us. It's a laying down of self for the gospel. Church, it is rarely convenient to be about missions. It's the understatement of the morning. It is rarely convenient to be obedient in missions, regardless of who you are. Missions causes us to look up from what we see right in front of us, to look out and often even to step out. That is painfully inconvenient. So we've seen call of missions, power of missions, aim of missions, disruption of missions. And now I want to hone in on the partnership of missions. Um, Verse 25, at present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints from Macedonia and Achaia. They've been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. Okay, pause. It's not contributions to the poor in Macedonia. It's not contributions to the poor in Achaia. These brothers and sisters of Macedonia and Achaia were making contributions to another community in Jerusalem. One more level of depth here. The Gentiles in Macedonia and Achaia were making contributions to the Jewish community in Jerusalem. This would have been a cross-cultural ministry and generosity here. We'll keep going. Verse 27, for they were pleased to do it. Indeed, they owe it to them. (laughs) For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought to also be of service to them in material blessings. When I therefore have completed this, I... And um, have delivered to them what has been collected. I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ 
And listen to this church, verse 30. I appeal to you, brothers, by the Lord Jesus and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in prayers to God on my behalf that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. So that by God's will, I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Strive together with me in prayer. Let's step back. This church in Rome has a role to play in missions. Not all of them were called to go, though. Not all of them were Paul. The church wasn't evacuated of all believers as they went out to these missionary trips, to leave their church, to leave their home, to leave their family, to go to the mission field, to lay new foundations. Not all of them were called to do that, but this church had a part to play in that work. They had a part to play in the ministry outside of their own walls. We see this in... These churches, these local churches, sending generous gifts to those outside of their communities. They could have used that that money, but they were sending it outside of their communities, primarily Gentile churches, sending aid to the Jewish communities in Jerusalem, cross-cultural. We see it in this church in Rome. Paul says, striving in prayer with Paul for his ministry. That means that before technology, before social media, before cell phones, before any of that, this church cared enough to stay informed and connected and to intercede in prayer and to strive together with Paul in prayer. This was not this, okay, we sent him out of sight, out of mind, let's get back to the work in front of us. This was a partnership. There must be a partnership in missions. Not everyone is called to be a missionary to a foreign land. But all of us are called to missions. Not everyone, let me repeat that, is called to be the one to go to the foreign land, foreign soil. But all of us are called to missions. You're either sent out sending or supporting. There are no other roles. Spectator is not a role. We're all involved in this. There is a partnership in in this. In fact, I want to tell you of an opportunity that we have for us to practice this in a very real way here at Stone Oak. Um, We've talked about our church planning efforts, our Spanish ministry, but our church also supports a missionary named Dan Holman. Dan Holman, many of you know him, a lot of you know him. Um, He was on our staff for the first few, the first season of our church. And um, several years ago, Dan felt this, began to feel this call to missions. And through the EFCA, the Evangelical Free Church of America, we have a crisis response team. It's a pretty cool name uh, for a team. Uh, But what they do is literally go in in the moments of crisis and disaster. They show up in the aftermath to help rebuild and to be a gospel light. Dan, when he heard this, That dude was, this was him. He knew it, and he left, and he went. His first crisis that he stepped into was Hurricane Harvey. And in the aftermath of Hurricane Harvey, him and his his family gave everything, had a trailer, and went. 
They just went on the ground, whole family in Houston. As a church, we support Dan. We continue to support Dan. We've seen Dan get called to several more disasters, actually. Uh, Our our world is in no shortage of them these days. And um, most recently, uh, there was this awful fire in Paradise, Paradise, California, turned an entire city into ashes, incredibly terrible, and the Holmans went. When you give financially to Stone Oak, by the way, you're giving to this ministry. We support Dan and what he's doing on the ground there in the crisis response team. But a few months ago, Dan actually came up here on the stage. He was in town and and said, hey, here's what's going on. Here's what I'm doing. And um, shared how things were going. And from that, our men's ministry heard him and started to feel this call to get more involved. And uh, so um, we are really excited to say that later this summer, our men's ministry, several, a team from our uh, from Stone Oak, are going to Paradise, California on a short-term trip to help Dan in this work there on the ground. And I love this. I love this. I bring this up, though, because this is an excellent example of what we see here in this letter um, in Romans. Because for some, we are called to go. Dan and Christy, their family, they went. They stepped out of what they knew, and they went into the great unknown on mission. But that wasn't everyone's calling here. We still meet here on Sunday mornings. We still gather in our community throughout the week. For others, we are called to go in and support, take short-term trip to get a team on the ground, to literally and physically show up. That's what our men's ministry team is going to do this summer. But again, that's not everyone at Stone Oak, right? Because for others, our calling is going to be to give financially to make this happen. Um, This trip is going to cost some money, and we are going to take up a special offering for this trip on Sunday, May 22nd. Not doing anything this morning, but Sunday, May 22nd, we're going to take up an offering for this. Because here's the deal. They are taking off time, and I want us to come around them and send them off well. It's going to cost money for them to get there. And we want to bless them while we're there. Um, And so you're going to have an opportunity to partner together. Many of you, that's going to be the way you engage in this. For, For many others, our calling is going to be what Paul says, to strive together in prayer. And I'm not talking about a cop out of, okay, not doing that, not doing that. I'll pray for you. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a literal team who will commit to pray, who will set alarms on your phone to go off so that whatever happens, you can stop and intercede and get on your knees on behalf of this team going and this ministry that is going on day by day there in paradise. I bring this up because this is a perfect example of what I'm talking about with partnering, partnership in missions. If you remember the definition that I gave, so the work of the church in reaching across cultural, religious, ethnic, geographic barriers to advance the work of making disciples of all nations. Church, brothers and sisters, you 
are the church, and that is our call. It's not my call only. This is our call together. Missions is not their thing. It's not an optional thing. It is our work, and we have a role, a part to play in it, whether it be in prayer, in giving, in going, in sending. At Stone Oak, to be at Stone Oak is to be a partner in this. To say it another way here at Stone Oak Bible, you're either sent or sending, going or supporting. If you hear nothing else this morning, Christian, God has a mission, the Missio Dei. That mission is to redeem fallen mankind from the consequences and, and of sin through the work and person of Jesus Christ. God has a mission. As a child of God, you have a mission. You have been given a mission. And as a part of his body, as a part of the church, we together have missions. We have a part to play in the Missio Dei. We have a part to play in reaching across barriers with the gospel. Praise God when they come in on their own. But as the church, we understand that our calling is to go. To go out. You have a part to play, and again, the role of spectator is not available. We want to plant more churches, church. We want to send more out. We want to raise more funds here. We want to continue to build on this foundation, but we want to continue to lay new foundations for the glory of God. This is our call. Amen.